Blog Talk Radio. This is Saida Garrett, and I'm tuned in to Intro to Info with my girl, Makisha. You are listening to Intro to Info with your host, Makisha from D.C. That's me, open-minded, business-minded, spiritual, a little hood, and very nerdy and down-to-earth. And Queen of Hearts from Florida, she's so ladylike, family-oriented, quick-witted, and a real pillar in her community. On our platform, we discuss anything imaginable, but we talk a lot of pop culture, current events, and speak on our personal life experiences. We interview fantastic guests with unique stories, and Lord knows we just have organic fun. And check this out. If you want to join in on the fun, call in at 515-605-9376. We are live on Saturdays from 9 to 10 p.m. EST on the J. King Network. If you are an info for info, tune in to Intro to Info. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Intro to Info. I'm your host, Nikisha, broadcasting live from the Washington, D.C. area. So glad that you could join us, whether you are listening live or via the Archive podcast. We're here every Saturday from 9 until 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we thank you, whether you're listening live or if you're listening in the future. And on this network, there's also a fantastic myriad of other shows with all this great content, so please explore the J. King Network and explore Blog Talk Radio. And if you feel like you have something to say, by all means, start your own podcast. It's getting saturated, but if you're good, you will still stand out. Wow, there are already a lot of people um, tapped in listening, so I want to say hi, guys, and thank you. And if at any point you have a question or a comment, press the number one We'll bring you in, no problem. My co-host should be calling in momentarily, but in the meantime, I want to definitely thank our special guest, Ken, for coming on to tell his story. And I read the story, and it was really touched, taken aback, because me working in a college setting, I could relate so much to what he was saying, just the candor. And the things that I feel like, parents are out of touch with when it comes to their children because they spend so much time trying to make their children what they want them to be as opposed to hearing their children out. But there's so much more to Ken's story, so I'm going to take him off mute and we're going to just have this conversation. Ken, thank you so much for being our special guest today. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. It's definitely a blessing um, and an opportunity to be able to share my story with the world in hopes of inspiring other people. Yeah, absolutely. I I know that unequivocally this is the outcome that we'll have. Um, Wow. The first thing that I wanted to know after I read your story was how old are you? So I'm actually 22 years old. My birthday just passed on December 28th. Okay, so you have big cap energy. I'm also a Capricorn, so happy belated and gang gang. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Happy belated to you too. Yes, big cap energy always. 
absolutely listen to be that age. You said 22. Let me write that down so I don't forget because I'm, I'm old. Yeah. I'm not 22 anymore, Ken. I'm 38, so i got to make sure I remember stuff as I conduct this interview. All right. Listen, <laughs> so, no, no judgment. Absolutely. To be 22, my, what, what you've already lived through. Now, your story, you had a lot of great moments. Like, I loved um, – all that you were given, but the parts that where you lacked, that's where I was. I felt so much sympathy and like, oh, like, you know, but yes. it, it, it sounds like it's given Victor, though. It's given Victor, yes. all right? Yes. So, <laughs> so, Thank you. Thank so, you. You're welcome. I see that um, my co-host, Queen of Hearts, just called in. Let me take her off of new Queen all the way over in Florida. How you doing? I am freezing. This is not Florida weather that's going on right now. I'm pretty quick, 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 quick. That's not cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Freezing. Those don't even go together. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Oh, hello, as guest hello. today. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> so, Nick, while you warm up, um, let's get to know Ken, you know, put – I don't know, a space heater on, turn the heat up, you know, get a, a weighted blanket, do something to warm yourself or put some layers on. Um, you what? know, just do what we going to Yeah, put, yeah, okay, all right. Let's get <laughs> anyway. into it. Okay, all right. Uh, Ken, one of the, the the first things that stood out to me as well in your bio is the fact that you are, it seems like you are a natural-born athlete. Yes, I am. Um, it, it's a guess like I always had. Um since I was a kid, I've always remembered myself being a doer, uh, whether it was for a team or for my my family, my parents, my mom. Um, I definitely took up a big role in my household as uh, being the masculine in my household, you know, helping my mom with groceries or cleaning, you know, helping pr- her prepare for anything that she had to do so she didn't feel so alone. So um, I always was the one, you know, was like, you know, let me carry the heavy bag for my mom. Let me walk her down the walk her down the street. She has heels on, you know, whatever the case may be. So I, I always found myself to naturally take up that role. Okay, great. And it sounds like you were a fantastic athlete as well. Let me bring Tamika in really quick. Um, Tamika, mm-hmm. get, come on, get in here and sit down and so we can do this interview, girl. All right, we're down. Count the <laughs> I'm good. How are I'm you? Good. All right, now. He raised his straight so out. So in the south. Who? Huh? Who'd you? This is the chiropractic person, right? Oh. Yes. <laughs> the chiropractic person, oh. right? Huh? We, we... <laughs> wait, wait. The first one. Wait, wait. Did I, did I mess um, it up? No, you're good. You're good. Oh, okay. I'm going to go on mute and go stand in the food truck. I'll be, I'll be back. So crazy. Back to you, Ken, because you have to see my co-host. <laughs> we, we, we be watching now. Back to you. So, <laughs> no right. worries. No worries. I love the, I love the action. I love the live, the live, the live action. Yeah. So you are a great athlete. I see that you play lacrosse almost, and you got way up there with the lacrosse, but 
what other sports did you play? Um, yes, I did. So I lacrosse is my main sport. Um, picked that up in about third, fourth grade. But I started off with swimming. I did tennis. Um, I played basketball, soccer. I carried soccer and basketball uh, up until high school with lacrosse. And those two sports fizzled out by 11th grade. Okay. Okay. So do you play any sports currently? I actually don't. Um, ever since um, I got kicked out of my home, I I put everything down. Um, and, you know, the most important thing that I did put down was lacrosse. And it was only because of how much I was going through at the time. I just didn't have the energy to, to reconnect with the sport. And there, there was just so much in my way at the time. Um, it, for me to even find the time to pick up my stick, I left my stick and everything at home. So, I do plan on getting back into the sport, um, having to, you know, pick up where I left off, except this time I'll be able to create my relationship with the sport on my terms and um, hopes of bringing more people of color into the sport because um, that's the type of the space that I would take up um, on my team, having been the only African-American on a predominantly white team. It's so interesting that you should say that because I'm going to tell you um, – the only time that I've ever heard about lacrosse is through, I have friends in like Maine and like Vermont, and that's the only time I've mm-hmm. ever heard of it. And so for you to have mm-hmm. played that, I, I put that in my notes. I said lacrosse, I know it as a like a white people's sport. So interesting. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. It, it is, um, you know, predominantly, it, it's predominantly saturated with Caucasian people, but uh, historically the sport was created by the Indians, uh, the Native Americans. And, um, you know, every time I, I stepped into the field, I, I I did my research and I would tap into that energy, um, tapping into my ancestors to help channel that on the field as I did play defense. Um, so I'd often take lead on the field with my team, um, you know, telling them, to, telling them where to go, getting us together, getting us hyped, making sure that we're all focused on the same goal. Um, so I definitely made sure to claim my roots in that sport and take up space, even though there were moments where it was, hard uh, to feel like I could take up space. There are moments where I felt alone, felt isolated, but I definitely, you know, I wasn't fearful to be who I was and make sure everyone knew who I was at the same time. Let's talk more about that isolation that you were feeling. Could it have been because of, or was it because of your race? So it it was a complexity of things. Um, One, it had to do with my race. Two, it had to do with my own identity struggles that I had growing up. Um, having played for a women's lacrosse team and being put in that box at such a young age, it did a lot of damage unknowingly. Um, but I knew that there was only but so much I could do with my environment and the space that I grew up in. Um, my home wasn't very open or welcoming to the idea of being queer or queer individuals, and especially playing a predominantly white sport. Um, being in that specific box, I felt that I had to uphold um, those expectations, societal expectations of what it means to be who I identified at the time as a black woman. Um, and you know, my family had created this story that I was, you know, supposed to be this black young lady that was going to create a path for other young black 
children into the sport, which I don't deny, but I knew that I was more than just a sport. I knew that I was more than what I identified with, but it definitely took some time to figure out, you know, who I was. And even at 22, I settled into my body and my transition now, but still, I'm still finding how to enjoy myself, how to reconnect with parts of myself that I've long forgotten because for so long I tried to keep myself in this box because I had learned that, you know, if I stayed in this box, I'd be safe. Um, You know, I would be able to kind of map out my moves and I'd be able to expect certain situations to go one way versus another. But since I've been embracing myself, you know, I I don't have control over all those things anymore. I've learned throughout my about the last few years that I can only control myself and making sure my peace and my happiness is the most important thing. Absolutely. I, um, Tam and Queen, I heard you kind of comment and as we were speaking, do you guys have any questions or comments up to this point? He basically answered mine because I wanted to find out too with playing the sport, if that was um, due to the race and everything, but with him being a male and a female sport, and I don't know what state are you in? I'm not sure. I am in Maryland. Right. So I know, like, you know, in Florida and probably other states as well, whatever he identify as, that's what they have to address him, you know, legally by and not show any bias in that area, things like that. So it was, mm-hmm. like you said, your struggle and everybody transitioning slowly to the, mm-hmm. the difference, you know, but mm-hmm. it is what it is. You, Like you said, you only can control you. You can't control others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mhm. Absolutely. Yes, I- um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Can you were speaking? Um, yes. Yeah, so, when it comes to my identity, I actually gender nonconforming. Um, I present myself to be a masculine individual, but I, the way my relationship with myself and my body, I, I like to be an example for others. Um, I definitely try to take up that space in my home. Uh, where my father lacked, I took up that space to become. Um, and I've always been inspired to try to be a better version um, of my dad, of the people that came before me. Um, I'm an empath. I'm a very highly sensitive individual. And, you know, children children have a very unique connection to their mothers. We come from our mothers. Um, that's as close as you get uh, to having that connection with a child versus a father. So, you know, growing up and seeing the ways that I I saw my mom needing help or needing that support, you know, I took up that space not to be a man, be a her man or be a man, but to to show what it means to be a masculine individual, you know, to, to know your position, to know your place and hold that space and hold that place while, you know, a feminine or a feminine presenting person or a woman is doing what they feel they, they need to do or, excuse me, or what their job is. So um, I like to use myself as an example for the world, you know, even to be gender nonconforming, to not conform to societal society's definition of what it is to be a man or a woman and, you know, rather taking up space of what it is to be a divine masculine individual, um, keeping God first and serving others and serving humanity. And somebody has their hand up. Um, let's see what question or comment this uh, person has. Area code three five two, taking you off mute. Good evening. What's your question or comment? Hey, what's up? It's Jedi Capricorn down here in Florida. Happy New Year. 
<laughs> hello, hello. Hello. I'm uh, just bouncing around from channel from show to show. I'm starting my own show up this week. And uh, I just wanted to give you a little bit of information. I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Donald Trump, it's been confirmed, is in fact the Antichrist, Satan, Lucifer, the father of lies. So oh, you uh, gone, so pretty- Oh, my goodness. Oh, what in the world kind of... Okay. And, and, and. <laughs> See, okay, so we can have one of those again tonight. I mean, like, why would... I mean, this is not even a topic, and Trump is nowhere near what we're discussing. Really don't care if he makes it to wherever he needs to go. But, I mean, that's not even what we own right now. And, that, I mean, thank you, sir, for calling in. We appreciate your time. However, we got to move on. Continue, um, Ken. <laughs> I don't know if I do. That's no sense. Get off the He's still on the phone. Get off the phone, please. You got to go. Um, Ken, back to you. I'm so sorry. He may get educated, so let him stay on the phone. I mean, he need to get educated and stuff, but he will not be talking. He can press one all night long, and he's going to sit right there on mute. Thank you. <laughs> mm. No worries, Okay. All right, we're going to continue. Thanks again to everybody that's on the line. And the call queue is cool, guys. Ken, I want to mm-hmm. speak definitely on your um, relationship just with your parents because the component where you said that you basically got everything that you wanted. You traveled mm-hmm. the world, had nice things, mm-hmm. you had nice experiences. You went to these birthday parties and, and all of that fun stuff. But mm-hmm. when it came down to that love component, that I think that some people take for granted. So please don't if you have it. If you have that, cherish it. I want you to speak mm-hmm. to that because it's, life is funny. When you have one, you want the other. And if you can get both, you lucked out. So please just speak to that. Absolutely. Um, oh, give me a second. So I I felt as a kid I was dealt one of the toughest battles and stories to have. Um, granted, being a child and not being met, your needs not being met in the way you know a child is supposed to be met, uh, while also remembering and being thankful for the ple- the blessings that you have in current time. You know, I had to figure out that balance as a kid, you know, not to grow up hating my parents for all the ways they lacked in my childhood, Um and still being thankful for all that they could do and could provide. So, yes, growing up, I was very fortunate, very blessed to have been traveled to the Caribbean. You know, my parents always threw big birthday parties for me. They did everything they could materially. They provided me with everything I could ever ask for. Um, you know, growing up, my dad, he, he would rarely say no to something I'd like. And if I did want something, you know, I, I would have to work for it in a sense, you know, make sure I maintain good grades or, you know, make sure I get a certain amount of ground balls in the game. You know, I'd always... I'd always meet the standard at which we were set, but it never added up to the amount of the absence of love I felt in my home. And I could sense as a kid the absence of love because I would go over to my friends' homes, and granted, everyone, every family has their own things that they go through, but you can't, energy doesn't lie. You know, your body will let you know when you're in a safe space. Your your body will respond to, to good energy. It'll let you know if you're in a safe environment. It'll let you know if you need to get out of that environment. And so, you know, not having as much wisdom as I have now at 22, I let my body and my, my soul lead the way. Um, I trusted my body, but my body would tell me first. So 
as much as I tried to advocate and communicate the need for more love in my home, it was still hard for me to explain that to my parents for them to understand that. And as I got older, I began to understand that everything that I was needing from them, I couldn't quite ask for them because they weren't giving that to themselves first. Um, I first experienced this lack of love in witnessing their relationship. And it began with how they communicated to each other. I remember the first memory that's always stuck with me in my head was, you know, when I heard my parents going back and forth to each other. Granted, all relationships, you know, you go back and forth, you have miscommunications or arguments, but it was the nature of the communication that felt so painful and so cold that there was no love to come back to. And I felt that I had to be that glue or be that bridge to remind, you know, to remind people that, hey, you know, we're human. We're still human. We're still still learning how to to do right, how to heal from our past, but give grace to each other and all that we've been through individually on our own before you even came to met this person. So as a kid, I tried to be as vocal as I could until I was silenced. Um, that's another thing that came into my journey of the reawakening of my voice, the reawakening of my wisdom, and actually sharing that out loud. Um because I do have the tendency sometimes to make people feel uncomfortable because I'm very open and vulnerable with my emotions and my experiences. Um, but, you know, like I said, like I wrote in my bio, you, the material world can never fill the void that love holds because love is a transformative energy that it, it's supposed to, you're supposed to change in love. Love is supposed to open you up to your deepest, darkest fears, and you move through them with faith. And so when it came to me looking for um, my partner, looking for someone I wanted to do life with, those are the things that I led with. That's something I greatly valued was, you know, how how do you love? How can we love? How can we keep love in the room even if we feel miles apart emotionally because of an argument or whatever the case may be, how, how, how tightly can you remember and hold on to that love to give each other grace and compassion when it's needed? And I read in your bio, right, that they were not mm-hmm. able to give you the love that you wanted because they never received it. So that, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but it's justified in that way. Because if you, if you mm-hmm. receive it and you you don't give it, then you're wrong. But if you never received mm-hmm. it, but I just want to go what if scenario with you, Ken. How do you think that if you say you would have had pretty much everything that you wanted um, materialized and had the love of your parents, how would you be different up to this point? I would I would be worlds different. I wouldn't have the story that I'm sitting with today and being able to talk about. I would have a different story. I would have accomplished different things. Um, I would have had different failed experiences or relationships, whatever the case may be. Um, But one thing that I would have had if I was given my material blessings and on top of that met with all the love in the places that I needed as a kid, all the lessons that I learned in my relationship with my parents, I probably would have learned within different friendships or relationships with other people. So a great part of my growth and healing and conscious evolution is I have just been learning in between my parents' relationship and myself. Um, 
and it, it would have been a blessing to have, you know, granted my parents would have been different people, my family, you know, my grandparents, my great grandparents, we all would have been different people if our mm-hmm. homes had more love, if, you know, the things that we have all experienced generationally, you know, we would have been able to support each other. We would have been able to be vulnerable with each other and share the painful stories, share the stories that we often want to keep closest to us and never tell anyone. But, you know, you find, you see the damage in that in the long run is, you know, when something happened to you and you hear a couple of generations down, you know, what happened to your grandchild, that same experience. And the only difference that could have made from that not happening to that grandchild is if you spoke up and said something, you could pass that awareness mm-hmm. down to the next child and they could pass it down to the next child and so forth. So, you know, that's how you break those generational curses and those patterns. And that's the place I've decided to take a step in my family is to communicate about these experiences and things. And I've always told them as a kid, you know, one day I'm going to share these stories. You know, I may be silent now. I may be a people pleaser now. I may seem small now, but I'm not going to give up on myself. I'm not going to deny the experiences that God gave me because he gave them to me for a reason. And one day I'm going to gather myself and gather the strength to share this with the world in hopes of inspiring another person. Yes, indeed. This is really good content. I mean, you are very much able to articulate your experiences and the way that you feel, and I just thank you for your candor uh, up to this point. You guys, if you're just tuning in, this is Intro to Info with your host, Makisha, Queen of Hearts. Tam is here. If you're listening via the link and you want to call in, the number is 515-605-9376. We're talking to Ken, very likable guest. Hope you enjoyed yourself. And my next question is definitely um, you were speaking about your mother and how you would carry her bags from young and you just knew and recognized the masculinity within yourself from young. Did your parents ever see that and question it when you were um, a shorty? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it It's funny that you even – could see that and mention that but yes growing up you know there were moments when I was asked the question you know do you want to be a man you know are you just do you want to be a boy do you do you want to be this and be that but it was asked in a way where it was like you know you didn't want to answer that question honestly because the moment I did you know I would be I would receive backlash so that relationship of transparency with my with my parents my family was always a difficult thing because in in the experiences I've had when I would share my vulnerability it would feel like a threat and be met with discomfort or distaste um, or the feeling of shame so a lot of what I wanted and I wish I could have shared and expressed with my parents and my family to help support me and figure out questions I had about myself it, it grew internally um, I created this deep internal dialogue with myself, um, but it didn't stop me from being who I was on the outside, on the outside of my home. I still took up this masculine role, and I've always taken up this masculine role. Being a defender, um, you know, playing defense on my lacrosse team, that's a, that's a masculine role, holding my ground um, in the forefront of the other attackers in front of me on the team, on my field. Um, you know, even with my grandparents, my grandmothers, I just, I could just feel this lack of divine masculinity that knew its place and it was secure in its place. 
without feeling threatened by feminine energy, the power of feminine energy. And I always found myself wanting to be that space, that safe space for feminine energy to, to grow and thrive and feel safe. And when, you know, growing up, I often saw this, this wounded feminine energy that would overgive, overpour, overdo in hopes of, you know, finally pleasing this masculine energy, finally pleasing this masculine person. Um, and it, it became less of, you know, husband-wife relationship and it was like mother-child relationship. And, you know, that's not a mature relationship. That's not what a mature relationship looks like. So um, I've learned through the failed lessons that my family and members have shared with me. And, you know, through the lessons they, they shared with me, I just learned how to be better. You know, if they told me they did something one way, I was like, okay, well, I just won't do it that way and I'll do it this way. Um, it, it, there wasn't much question. There wasn't much room for me to question why you shouldn't do things the right way, especially if you've already had examples before you that you've heard. You know, if you go down this route, it may not lead you to to your goals or where you want to be. So, you just try to be the best person you can be and learn from others and learn from other experiences, so you don't have to go through those failures yourself. And what was the thing that made your parents question? whether you wanted to be a boy or those types of questions, what do you think drove them to ask those things specifically? Specifically, um, after I came out in 11th grade, excuse me, um, because I started dating my first girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, who I still have the blessing of being with today, uh, five years later, uh, when we started dating, you could barely, you could very clearly tell that I was the masculine. Uh, I took up the masculine role in our relationship, and she very clearly had the feminine role in our relationship. Um, and I, I, I saw her out. I found her first, um, and I, I stood there, and that was me. And I, I decided, you know, I started changing how I dressed. I, you know, I felt so safe in my relationship to finally express myself, to express myself, um, and that first began through clothing. So I started wearing, granted, I, I did wear sweats a lot growing up because I was an athlete. So my parents would kind of use the excuse as, uh, you know, you dress this way because you're an athlete. You know, that's why you wear jeans, sneakers, and tennis shoes all the time. You know, that's why you don't like to wear dresses and whatnot. But really, I was like, no, I'm I'm just a queer individual, and this is this is how I express myself, you know, through clothes, through music, um, you know, through my voice and now through my body that, which I've been able to take up. I've had the the blessing to receive hormone therapy um, and seek this out for myself and, you know, still remain confident and love who I am, love who I've recreated myself to be. Um, So that's where, you know, when I started dating my girlfriend, that's when those questions really started to, to take hold and they started to, to really think about it a bit more. You know, first of all, my grandmother is listening. Thank you so much, Grandma. And this whole time, I, I see this number on my call queue, and it looks so familiar. And I finally, this is my uncle. So, hey, Grandma, <laughs> hey, Uncle. Just now I'm realizing it took me some time, but that's my uncle and that's my grandmother. And <laughs> and. <laughs> So uh, definitely shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for your listenership, and we'll yes. we'll we'll continue with that. Um, wow. So I know that 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 period was hard because I, I saw that your parents initially when they 
found out that you were seeing this young lady, and shout out to her because I think that she has been very helpful just in your survival. But when yes. your parents first found out that you all were together, that they really tried to break you all apart. And and before I want to say this before I forget as well, um, it mm-hmm. seems like um, if you got everything you want, you you want it. Your parents must have had some money, and part of it was probably them having a hard time accepting their child from the societal standpoint, you know, they didn't want to put, you know, the, the people that they probably surrounded themselves with to to have a whiff of that, so to speak. Do I have that correct, Ken? Absolutely. You, you do have that correct. And I didn't, at the time, you know, I couldn't understand. But as I, you know, going to therapy and speaking to other individuals that had the same experiences as me, you know, I started to put those pieces together and, yeah, I realized that, you know, all of the the ways that they weren't able to meet me and accept me were the ways they aren't able to meet and accept themselves. And because I am who I am confidently, securely, and trustingly, you know, it, I'm, I tend to make people question who they are, you know, you know, how they fit in themselves. You know, are they who they are just because society says you have to be this way, just because your family says you have to be this way? Um, you know, I, I, I'm... I, I like to believe myself as a, a radical individual. I'm going to radically be myself no matter who I'm standing in front of. I don't care if it's Donald Trump like the guy was talking about um, <laughs> earlier. Um, I don't care who, who you are because, you know, the only person that can judge me is God. And I think my my sense of peace and security within myself, it's, it radiates. Um, and I know that. You can see it on my face. You know, I, I like to take pride in the fact that I have been through a lot. My story is deep, but I don't look like what I've been through. And it's not to, you know, you sit down and we have a conversation when you realize, oh, wow, you're like, you, you've, you've been through a lot. You have, you have a lot of wisdom. And um, it took me a while to accept that, accept what God gave me through, through these experiences to, to still look back at these painful experiences that I've had and try to find the gold in it. Um, and that's what I, I've learned to extract from these, these experiences, you know, besides all the messy details and, you know, the painful backstabbing moments of it all, I had to take what was the most important, you know, what's going to be in my toolkit for the rest of my life. I'm only 22, you know, God willing, I have many years ahead of me. And, you know, I have, I'm a dad of, of four fur animals in my home, which, you know, my partners and I seek to have children of our own one day. So, you know, every day I'm, I'm learning, I'm healing, I'm trying to be a better person for myself, for my partner, for our kids, you know, that aren't even here, but I still, I still pray for them, you know, I cannot wait to have them come down to earth and, you know, for me to, to be a leading, guiding example for them and to just do better than what my parents did. And, you know, like I'll continue to say, my parents didn't make me who I am. I don't hate them for everything and all the pain that they put me through. Granted, I mean, that's just the nature of relationships. That's the nature of life. Everything isn't going to be perfect because if it was, then we'd just be in heaven. And then there would be no point of life in itself. You know, there wouldn't be a point of having ups and downs. So, you know, while it doesn't change how I still feel, there's still a blessing in it all. And I hope that me remaining who I am, you know, learning unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness and compassion for my parents. I hope that they, they learn to find that for themselves, you know, for my family to, to still forgive themselves for the mistakes they've made. But 
you know, not be afraid to look at yourself in the mirror and accept your faults and accept your wrongdoing because you're no better than any other person next to you. Um, and, and shout out to you, Emerson. I love you, Emerson. Um, I, I want to say this as well, Ken, to, because mm-hmm. there's some people, what, what's the, how homophobic is the phrase? The ho- people mm-hmm. who actually are homophobic have a very, like, linear school of thought in the sense that um, they, can't, they wouldn't be able to relate. So the way that you mm-hmm. felt initially as a child where you felt like you were in a box and you felt like you couldn't be your true self versus right now. Because guess what? They were born the way that, you know, they, what they call this is the way that it is, it is to be, right? And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I want to bring in um, Tam and Queen of Hearts as um, moms and as they, they're not judgmental. And I just want to tell them, first of all, thank you. And then ask them what mm. their school of thought is to make them not be judgmental, because there are a lot of heterosexual people who are and just you know shun the thought of mm-hmm. someone who's transgender or somebody who is bi or non-binary. So you mm-hmm. guys get in here and tell me um, what made you that way, because it might have been uh, something that happened to open their mm-hmm. eyes. So I, was, mm-hmm. I, I would love your thoughts here. You open the floor you for us, you, or for the guests? This is for you, um, Queen, as somebody who is a married woman with kids, and um, you, but you are not homophobic is my point. So what made you not be no, as somebody? Not, because people are people and we're God's people, you know? And and mm-hmm. that's not for us to judge. He's saying judge not. So I can't I cannot do that, you know? Um because he is love, I'm love and we have to see everybody the same way. So once we start taking off those judgmental biased eyes mm-hmm. and start seeing people for who they really are. This world would be so much a better place. Okay, be quiet. My little cousin, she's trying to talk over me. I know, but she's going to be listening to it. And uh, I wanted to say, I wanted to question, actually, like, um, at what point, you probably already addressed it, but I'm going to go up again. At what point you realize, okay, I'm not a female, I'm a male, you know, uh, and I'm going to go embrace that and be who I am. At what point in your life or what age you felt that? Because I hear a lot of people say, I was born that way, this and the third, you know, and people say, no, there, it's not, you know, yeah. it's a chemo thing or it's a learned thing. At what point in your life you felt like, hey, I'm not that and I'm not going to yeah. settle into that skin. I'm going to actually show who I really am. That's a good question. Um <laughs> So growing up, I experienced sexual molestation three times um, by the age of 10. And I really just didn't have time to grow into myself or go into my body. I didn't have time to enjoy my childhood. I didn't live life as a little girl. Um, You know, being around my family, you know, everyone's like, you know, 
Kennedy, the little girl, and my granddaughter, my daughter, my niece, whatever the case may be, I heard these things being talked about, but I never lived that experience of a little girl, um, of, of, of being safe. You know, my feminine energy was never safe or protected. I never felt that way. Um, so my body naturally went into defensive mode. I've always felt like I was in my the way my brain chemistry um had took form i i was always in protective mode protecting myself protecting others protecting my mom uh protecting my grandparents i naturally took this role and it, it did create a war within myself because on the outside i know what the world said i'm supposed to be i knew what based off my body and um you know, based off my organs, you know, I have a womb, you know, all these things supposedly is supposed to make me a woman. This is what society is supposed to say I'm, I'm supposed to be. But on the inside, I didn't feel that way. And um, it wasn't until I, I got kicked out and I actually had the space to let go of all these worries and fears that I had grown up around and really started to deconstruct myself of all the fears that had built me up for so long when I started to, to go through ego death and I found the soul within me, um, by the time I was, I'm 22 now, when I was 20 years old, um, I decided that this is who I was. I've always felt like a masculine individual. I've always looked at men growing up and not having, I didn't want to be with them, but I always, I saw them. I, when I saw them, I would see myself. Um, you know, when I saw their bodies, you know, muscular arms, legs, facial hair, I saw that within myself. That's the vision I always had. Rather than when I was looking at my mom, you know, most kids are like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like my mom. I want to be like, I want to be pretty like my sister, whatever the case may be. But I had an older brother growing up. I wanted to be like him. I had my dad. My dad was cool. He, he may not, you know, he, he had his own things that he was going through. Um, but I wanted to be like him. Um, you know, my grandfather, he, he was a he was an artist, he was a creative, he was a painter. I wanted to be like him too. So um, I just always had this vision of myself. This is the vision in my head that I always grew up seeing um, on the inside versus what I was giving the world um, on the outside. So by the time I turned 20, um, 21, I began hormone therapy. I've been on hormone therapy for a year and a few months now. And um, every month of injecting myself had been a learning experience. I had begun to learn more about myself. I had begun to deconstruct old narratives that were never mine and taking myself out of this box uh, that my family put me in just to make me feel safe. Because, you know, as parents, I can understand that you, you don't want your child to, to go through hardship. It, I'm, I'm sure it's hard to witness your child going through pain and, um, you know, failed experiences or relationships, whatever the case may be. But, you know, we can't, that's just the nature of life. We can't protect them from their own pain or suffering. That's part of growth. You grow through pain. That's how, you know, you develop your consciousness and you're going to, you know, you learn your coping skills and not just to cope, but to alchemize. Um, I like to give myself credit, my inner child credit to the fact that there are all these experiences. I alchemized my pain and I alchemized it through sport, through movement, um, through living intentionally. Um, and when I, you know, just started transitioning, excuse me, I, I incorporated the lessons I learned 
as previously as identifying as a woman, um, learning how to still embrace that, even being a masculine individual. I didn't just neglect all the feminine parts of me. Um, it just added to what it means to be a divine masculine. So, you know, I still enjoy, I still get my nails done. I still, I still take care of my hair. I like to look clean. I like to smell good. You know, I lotion myself, take care of my body. And I hope to teach other masculine individuals, other men that, you know, you can do these things too. And it doesn't, it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you um, more or less of a man or what that even is defined for yourself. It just makes you human. And that's how I look at myself as just human. This is so good. Uh, area code 301, I'm going to take you off mute. Um, come on in here with your question or comment. 301821. I think Emerson, is that you? 301821. All right, well, you're all yeah, mute in case. Is, that is that is me. Okay. Um, Come on. I uh, I have a crying baby in the background, maybe. If he starts crying again, he just stops crying. Um, but I wanted to ask, um, Ken, thank you for uh, sharing your story. Um, it's really inspiring. And, um, what gave you the strength to be brave and just jump and move out and just take this risk on yourself? Like when I think about faith, I think that sometimes it can be, it, it's fun or it's good, but but sometimes I feel like, what am I, what am I, I feel as though, and I could be wrong, that faith provides solace, but mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't, but what, what helps you be okay despite all of your worries, but maybe you didn't have worries? That's a good question. It's, that's a hundred percent relatable. Um, I had, with everything that I felt was stacked against me, I felt like I had two choices growing up. I either could feel victim to the cards I was dealt, or I could triumph through it and just become more of a powerhouse and and figure out who it was I was going to become at the end of the day. Um, what led me to, to to pursue taking a risk on myself was – yeah, every everything started to deconstruct itself. Once I started to embrace myself and I came out as queer and gay to my family, you know, I started to see how my my familial structure was starting to break down. Um, there was nothing left for me to lose at that point. There was nothing left nothing left for me to lose. My parents weren't who I thought they were. My family wasn't the support that I thought I needed. Um, you know, lies, all these things just started to, to just come out. And I feel like, you know, I have nothing other than myself at this point. And it was it was starting to become a life or death situation. If I if I decided to stay at my home, I knew I wasn't going to be there much longer because I had, I had made a promise to myself as a kid, you know, I can't take myself out. I can't take myself out of this game of life. You know, I know this, the cards are stacked against me, but my life is important. God gave me this life for a reason. I am of value. I have wisdom that needs to be shared. And my purpose gave me so much direction. My purpose 
gave me so much fire to triumph through my fears. And I just knew that my fears were just a thought. My fears weren't a physical object or a person. It was just a manifested thought and a voice in my head. Um, and I felt that I would be letting God down. I would be letting my ancestors down if I didn't take that bet on myself because everything around me started to, to take shape in and look to me. It, it felt as if the universe was orchestrating certain things happening in my life and saying, we're, we're making the space for you. Do you want to take the step and take a bet on yourself? Or do you want to keep falling? Do you want to keep going down the hole that you, that you can see yourself going into? And I decided to take the jump. And granted, I, I was still fearful throughout it all. I didn't have, I didn't entirely know what I was doing, but I had my purpose at the end of the tunnel. That that was the only thing that was keeping me going. It was my purpose. And I, as a kid at five years old, ten years old, I would wake up every morning and write cards, excuse me, on my on my mirror before I stepped out to go to school, just to remind myself that you have a purpose. You may not know it yet, but you have a purpose and you have a place in this world. You know, despite what the world is telling you, you are who you are at the end of it because God said you could be this person, because God gave you this life. And if it wasn't, if God didn't give it to you, then you wouldn't be who you were. So with, you know, with all that I had, with all that I had been through, with all that I had seen happen before me, you know, my parents being that example of what it looks like or what I could have ended up looking like if I continued to abandon myself, if I continued to neglect my needs, if I continued to not speak up for myself, if I continued to not reach, up, reach out for help or take the risk when I needed to, I knew I would end up like that, and I didn't want to. So I leaned into faith. I leaned into God. I leaned into where the universe was showing me I was being led and knew that, hey, I had the strength to get it, to get to get through all of this at this point at 18, you know, 18 years I had been through all of this crap. So, you know, let's just make the final push and get yourself out of here and see what the next 10 years of your life can be from 20 to 30 and then 30 to 40. And I do expect myself throughout these years, I know each, each chapter, um, you know, that I'm going to be meet, that I'm meeting, you know, it's going to come with a different level of challenges and tests for myself. Um, you know, life and conscious evolution is, is through trial and error. Um, but it's the soul that, 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 that drives your will to pursue your heart's desires. And, you know, that, that beat in my heart was just louder than my fear at that time. And it still is to this day. Um, so I still give thanks and grace every day to God and for the small blessings, the big blessings, you know, every day is a miracle just be alive and just be at peace with myself. And I want to hear about your travels, you know, because you say you did a lot with your heart, desire and everything, and I saw in your bio where you travel internationally. Which was your, your favorite destination that you went to? What spot was that? Um, My favorite destination is either between Jamaica or Alaska. Um, both, I feel, are a great reflection of me. I love... Um, I loved going to Jamaica because it's just full of life. You know, it, it's warm. Um, everyone is just lively there. And I've always been big on finding community just because I didn't ever feel like I had a community in my own environment. Um, I always sought out, you know, other communities to just, you know, I found joy in seeing how they, they found joy through food, through music, um, through laughter, mm-hmm. you know, enjoying the simple things in life. That's, 
what my inner child always held on to was the simple things in life, you know, watching the sunsets, hearing the birds chirping out your window when you wake up in the morning, um, you know, hearing the dogs wake you up in the middle of the night because <laughs> they're barking. But, you know, that's life. You know, those are things that are out of your control. Um, whereas in Alaska, it was it was really beautiful. It was peaceful. Um, I've always connected to trees. Um, nature was always my safe space. Always, you know, having been an athlete, I was always outside. So whenever I'd find myself in a flunk or, you know, going through something at home, my first place to go was the woods, go outside, go for a hike, um, because I could actually be around something that was bigger than me physically. So with that, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it, it gave me confidence to feel like I was bigger than my struggles um, because there is there is nature out here. There are still things outside of my control, but I can still admire admire the beauty and, you know, life circumstances. Yeah. Okay, I can laugh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> Wait, um, uh-huh. attention, Tamika, um, I need your attention. Big Brother is on the line. Big Brother is on the line. We're going to take you off mute, Big Brother. How you doing? Happy New hello, Year. Hello. The same to all of you all. Happy New Year's. And uh, I've just been sitting back and listening to the conversation. I'm surprised this is live, not Memorex. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's been Memorex ever since uh, Halloween, I think. But, uh, but yeah, this is a great conversation. I just want to make a comment. Uh, I like when uh, uh, your guest said about, you know, hey, still get their nails done, this, that, and the other, you know, because it made me think of the fact that where I live, there's a, there's a nail shop, and where I work, there's a nail shop in Walmart. I see a lot of men getting their nails or getting manicures and pedicures nowadays. You know, it used to be where you didn't see that, but there's a lot of it going on. And that's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at getting myself a pedicure or a manicure too because it's just hygiene, you know, take care of yourself. But uh, I like the fact that, you know, you're just being open about it and sharing some things. A lot of people don't hear from, from, from individuals, so I'm really enjoying the conversation. And uh, I don't know, I might, I might go ahead and get myself a, a manicure or pedicure soon. <laughs> please do, please do. I appreciate that. I appreciate your comment. Well, it's, 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 it, well, you know, it's 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 really healthy because see, the thing is, a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's folks that might get, you know, well, I don't want to be gross about it, but you know, like, you know, it's it's good to keep your, you know, your nails, period, clean, right? Mm-hmm. Even your mm-hmm. feet, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely is among us. You, you know, yes. fungus among us. You know, <laughs> so you know, so it's it's that that that's a good thing to do, or and uh, on a regular uh, basis from time to time. And and again, like I said, I see people doing it, men doing it, a lot more, and not based on their lifestyle. It's just taking care of themselves. It's it's, yeah. it's a hygiene thing, you know. So uh, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to make that comment. That's it. Thank you, big. No, we appreciate that. Um, Queen Tam, yeah. other questions you have, guys? No, I don't have any okay. additional questions because we're running out of time. Okay. <laughs> Tam, I definitely want you to speak to anybody who was, like, young Ken who still was not able to be their true self. What would you say to that person? What advice would you give? If I was to give any child, any young adult, any person uh, advice is to 
hold on to the vision you have to your for yourself despite what society says, despite what your mom or dad may envision for you or the closest individuals that you have to yourself. Hold on to your vision. Hold on to your purpose. It was given to you for a reason. And hold on to it until you make it and you achieve those goals. There is nothing that God will give you that you can't handle. And even if you don't believe in God, you know, if you believe in a higher power or believe that this world is orchestrated by a force that we don't have the power to have, just know that there are always things working in your favor, whether you experience delays or not. Slow and steady wins the race. It's not who can reach the the finish line the fastest. And go your flow, go your pace. Give yourself time and compassion through every step of the journey. You're going to have your ups and your downs, but it's important to remain consistent in your heart with your life's purpose and to never forget who you are because I believe that is the test of being human, of embodying your soul into your vessel, is to remember where your soul comes from. Remember why your heart beats. Remember why you decide to wake up and breathe every day and to show up for your loved ones. And remember, you can only show up for the world as much as you show up for yourself. So love yourself first. You know what? I do have a question. It's running through my mind right now before we get out the show. I just wanted to find out if you have a surrogate in mind for your child, or are you going to do like Brett and Judy and one of y'all carry the baby, shh, be quiet, and one of y'all carry the baby yourself? Uh, I believe we're going to be doing it that way. Um, the goal is that I could t- take my egg and um, my girlfriend will carry our child. Um, but I don't have um, I don't have anyone else or a, a surrogate or anything like that in mind. I won't be using any of my family members. So God willing, all goes well with our eggs being able to transfer to each other. That's what we'll do. And my girlfriend will be carrying our child. Okay. Well, and I like the nature part that you said about being out in nature. That is very, very stimulating, very important. Um, I'm sorry, I just jumped in and said, I know you ran out of time, but yeah. If you guys ever Absolutely. get a chance, yeah, go out and experience nature. It, it is amazing. If you can get by somewhere there's a stream or whatever and just chill, don't take your yeah. don't take your, your your radio. Just sit back and chill and just check out, you know, just the sounds and everything. Absolutely. Find blessings in the simple things. Mm-hmm. And we true. have enjoyed this hour with you. We appreciate you coming on, being honest, talking about the good aspects and the challenging aspects of your life. I wish you well. I wish you nothing but the best. Um, and it seems like you have your head on straight and that you, you'll you be okay. You're already all right. And you're, li- you're living your life authentically and out loud. So um, we wish you well. Um, intro to info, just appreciate the time. And thank you to the listeners. I'm, I'm telling you, this was an active show. There's a lot of people on this line, okay? So you guys, <laughs> with your host, Makisha, Tam, and Queen of Hearts, Big Brother, Emerson, and Ken, and Grandma, and my uncle. Um, you guys have a good upcoming week, and we have more shows like the Big Brother we're not going to be Memorex for a while. We got some guests lined up and some. We're going to talk about current events and things like that. We 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 in here, boo. Fantastic! I'm glad. 
Okay. Hey, so, hey, I got some great guests coming up soon, so I need, hey, I need, I need you to chime in because I got some special guests coming in too that you, I think you're going to really enjoy too. So it's 2024. Let's get it, get it, get it. Done deal, big brother. Thank you, Kim. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for listening, and thank you for providing this opportunity to share my story and express your compassion and support. You're welcome. Everybody have a wonderful night. Good evening. You too.